Well, again, this is Thanksgiving Sunday. And, you know, one of the things I'm so grateful for when it comes to Thanksgiving, when I think of my Heavenly Father, is the fact that Thanksgiving reminds me that my God is a giver. One of the, one of the essential, fundamental, you know, truths of His essence is that He is a God who gives and gives and gives. You know, for a lot of people who don't know the Lord, and unfortunately, even for some of His own children, the first thing they think of God is as a judge. Now, the Lord is a judge in that He is righteous, and He is fair, and He is good, and He is kind, but He does judge. We need that, those secure boundaries in our lives and our society, but the Bible doesn't say that God is judge. The Bible doesn't say that God is punishment or chastisement. It doesn't even say that God is, you know, peace or joy in that sense, but the Bible does say in 1 John 4 and 8 that God is love. It's very clear, God is love. And one of the primary traits of love, true love, is its absolute selfless giving. That's what true love really is. James wrote in James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change or cause shadow by turning. I love this phrase that James uses, the Father of lights. What that phrase essentially has to do with is what he's explaining is that the gifts that God gives to us is not just stuff that he provides. It's not just the things that we may think we need or that we pray for, but that actually the gift that God gives to us is an extension of himself, that he is the God of light and that his light actually shines upon us. 1 John 1, 5, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And what he's saying is that when the light of God's person shines upon me because he gives me himself, then that light, that presence, actually becomes the gift that I need, the gift that is my provision. You see, so oftentimes we think of what we need and we think of it in terms of, of the things. And what did Jesus say? He said, don't worry about those things. Why? Because your Father... Your heavenly Father, your Father of light and of love, He knows your need, and He is shining upon you. And it's His presence in your life, His presence upon you that actually becomes the gift that I need. You see, a lot of us, we, we tend to live our lives kind of between light and darkness, right? Sometimes everything's going great, we feel good. Other times we just kind of feel there's, there's kind of some shadows there. Or, or we live in between happiness and frustration or joy and disappointment. And yet the times that we're most aware of our need for God, for His presence, for these gifts, is in those times that we feel like we're kind of living in the shadows. You ever, you ever feel like you've been in those times, and, you, and somebody alluded to it this morning, just even a season sometimes, we can just feel a heaviness, we can feel a weariness, we can just feel like we're living in the shadow of a particular season, a particular situation. And yet the beautiful thing about what James says here, he says that there is never a decrease, there is never a lessening of God's light that's shining upon me. Do you realize that the fullness of God's light, the fullness of God's love, the fullness of God's presence consistently shines upon us? There is never a de decrease in that. James says there's never a shadow that is caused because God somehow is turning away from us. We are able to live full-faced before the presence of God and understand that His love, His grace, His light is actually shining upon me. Even when I feel like there's a shadow in me, 
There's no shadow in him because he never turns his back on me. Neither is there ever a moment, James says, when anything can block his light reaching me. Do you realize that? Do you ever ponder sometimes of how much time we can spend in the shadows? How much time we can spend feeling like, well, I just don't qualify or I'm not where I should be right now, so I'm just kind of stuck in this place. And we just tend to live sometimes in those shadows when James says the light of God is shining upon you. The prophet Micah said this, though I set in darkness, the Lord is light for me. Would you say that with me? Though I sit in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. That awareness that if I am in a time of shadow, for whatever reason it may be, I do not have to stay there. God does not, his attitude toward me does not change. He says, uh, Micah says, James says, the light of God, his goodness, his givingness, if that's such a word, continually is shining upon me. Now, I can allow myself to be kept in the dark, so to speak, by choosing to believe the lies of the enemy that keep me from seeing God's light. But the Bible is very clear that there is no shadow into which God's light cannot reach and does not reach. Now, it's wonderful to know that God is so loving and God is so giving. But it's also important to know a few things about how it is that God gives to us. And one way he does not give to us is kind of like Santa Claus. You know, if you're naughty or nice, you know, that kind of depends how you are. It depends on what you get from Santa, right? Uh, we're all adults. Okay, there's no, oh, there is a Santa. There's no Santa. Okay, we're good. So we don't have to, you know, I won't say that in a second. We're online in the second service. But, um, but, the, but the fact is we think sometimes that, that God is that way. That if we're good, then we can expect good things. If we're not good, well, we really can't hope for good things, right? And to be honest with you, even in our evangelical tradition, we still have this sense of penance. It's kind of like, well, I need to go to God for something, or I, I, you know, I'm stuck in this place, or I, I'm kind of feeling like I'm in that shadow. But let's see, how many days has it been since I've been good? Right? You ever think that way? Well, I can't go to God right now because it was just yesterday that I did something wrong. It was just this morning that I, that I know I disobeyed him. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stuck here for a while. Maybe in a few days when I start living right again, then I'll have this confidence to go before the Lord again. You know what that's called? That's called superstition. That's called religion. That is not the reality. We need to understand that wherever I may be, whatever shadow I find myself in, it does not change his light shining upon me. His grace shining upon me. He constantly wants me to be aware of his light and his love so that wherever I may be, that I not stay there, but I know I can turn to him immediately. The Bible says in Psalm 103, he does not punish us as we deserve. He does not repay us according to our sins and our wrongs. Listen, my friends, there is always something good available to you from God, no matter where you are. Or where you have been. Let me say that again. There is always something good available to you right now, wherever you may be, whatever you're feeling, whatever your attitude, whatever you're gone through or going through, wherever you may feel in your walk with God right now, you need to understand there is something good for you right now. You may remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 5. He said, your Father in heaven makes his sun to shine on good, on bad and good people alike. And he gives rain to those who do good and to those who do evil. 
God does not deal with us according to our sins, according to our wrongs, in, in this context of what we're sharing this morning. Now, at the same time, neither is he like a parent who just kind of issues empty threats, right? We've probably all, you know, experienced that growing up, or maybe we've done it ourselves. You know, it's around Christmas time. If you're not good, you're not getting any gifts, right? And the child's not good, but they still get everything, okay? The Lord's not that way. Instead, there's a powerful principle that Jesus taught that has to do with responsibility. Again, we're talking about the nature of how it is that God gives to us. And Jesus teaches this principle about responsibility and also about responsiveness. In other words, that although God pours out His goodness upon us, even in times that we don't deserve it, He always does it with wisdom and with discernment. He explains this in the parable of Matthew 25. He's actually referring to himself, to his disciples, saying, the time is going to come when I'm going to leave you. It won't be alone. The Holy Spirit will be with you. But I'm going to leave you to continue on with the work of ministry until I come. And Jesus tells the story of a wealthy man, a businessman, an owner of property and resources who's actually going on a trip and he has three servants that he puts in charge of all of his property. And this is what, he, what Jesus said. He gave one servant five bags of gold, another servant two bags of gold, and a third servant one bag of gold to each one as much as he could handle. As much as he could handle. Or another translation says, to each one according to his ability. Essentially what Jesus is saying is this man is taking everything he has, and he's divided among those three who he's left in charge until he returns. Now, we read this story, and in our humanness, we tend to interpret, or the first thought that kind of comes to mind is, well, that doesn't seem fair. It, why did he give one person more than the other? Like, it seems like one person has more an advantage than the other. You ever feel that way? When you read that story, the thought kind of crosses your mind. Well, if this is talking about the nature of God, well, then how come God does that? And what we do is we tend to look around us and we think that, well, that's kind of true in my life. Like when I look around, it seems like there's other people that God loves more than me. Or there's other people that maybe God has given an advantage to over me. Again, that's the way we think in our humanness. But it's easy to miss the two things that Jesus mentions in this story. The first thing he says is this, that the man gave each to each of his servants as much as that servant could handle. He gave to each of the servants according to their ability. So in other words, the master knew something. And then we see, secondly, that when the man returns from his trip and he asks the servants to give a report back on how they managed his wealth, that he was actually right in the way that he divided the resources as he did. The one who had given the most to was the one who produced the greatest return. Now, it's important to understand that was not a coincidence, Neither does the Lord, just as in this story, neither does the Lord ever intend to give more to one than the other because somehow he favors one over the other. He simply knows how responsible each of us are. He simply knows how responsive we will be to what the Lord gives us. For example, in the story of the one who received the least, we see that the owner was actually justified in the amount that he gave to that servant because the story goes on to say that when the master comes and asks a report for what they've done, the one who has given the least actually doesn't do anything with what he has given. 
And so the master was actually right and justified in his decisions because he knew the servants. And I would believe Jesus is teaching here is the principle that God is ready to lavish his gifts upon all of us. The Lord is ready to give us everything we need, everything that he has promised, whether we deserve it or not, but he does it in a way that he knows beforehand how we are going to respond. Now, does that make sense? But even as I say that, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, if God already knows what I'm going to do, doesn't it mean I have no choice? If God already knows the choices I'm going to make, doesn't that mean I'm already stuck? It's, it's what we call predestination in theological circles in some way, but the answer is no. What it means very simply is that God's just a little bit smarter than you are. I know that comes as a surprise, but his IQ is a little bit higher than ours. And you see, what he does know is what will be the result of our choices. But you see, what you need to know is that God is love. What you need to know is that God is good. What you need to know is that God is your Father. And the only thing that God has predestined for you through Jesus Christ is to give you a great inheritance. God has not predestined anyone to be lost. God has not predestined anyone to fail. God has not predestined anyone to be irresponsible. God has not predestined anyone to be hurt. Our problem is that when we compare ourselves to other people, that we somehow think that we've received less, what do we do? We tend to respond in a way that doesn't expect very much from ourselves. That's where we get caught in a lie. That's where we get shut down. That's where we live in the shadows. That's where we miss so much from our Heavenly Father who is a giver and who gives things to all of us, who's made all things available to all of us. We look around and we allow the enemy to convince us somehow, well, this person has an advantage over me. You see, God has chosen the foolish things, apparently foolish things, to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things to confound those who think they are so strong. What does that mean? It means that every single one of us are a candidate to see God do extraordinary things in our lives for his praise and his glory. For when I am weak, then he is strong. Then his might is seen in me. So there is no excuse. And just as people do in the natural world who pick themselves up by their bootstraps, who take advantage of resources available to them, while others in their similar situation, in their similar upbringing, remain in poverty, they choose not to because they see what's available to them and they actually are able to know how to use the system to their benefit in an honest way, an integrous way, and they live a blessed, prosperous life. And so it is in the kingdom. All of us are number one sons and daughters of God. We don't have an advantage over each other in God's economy. We simply have choices that we make whether or not we will avail ourselves of God's goodness, of his resources, of his wealth, of his gifts, whatever it is he needs to redeem, salvage, change, uh, 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 do in our hearts or send into our lives, we make the choice whether or not we will avail of that relationship if we understand the heart of God. Now, why would Jesus waste his gifts on us if we're going to respond selfishly? 
Why would he waste his gifts on us if we're not going to respond at all? And again, you know, I know the way we think. We sit there thinking, well, then what hope do I have? Because there are times when I'm selfish. There are times when I'm irresponsible. There are times when I'm disobedient. What hope do I have? Well, the hope that we have is that we can actually come to, to God and say, Father, change me. That's the hope we have. All, every single one of us have this same option available to us to come before our Father and say, Father, I know what I feel. I know what I'm in. I know where I'm stuck. But I know you are good. And I know that you are giving. And Father, I ask you to change me. Proverbs 4 says, The path of the righteous is like the sunrise. Say it with me. Getting brighter and brighter until daylight has come. That's the path of the righteous. That's the path of those who know the Lord. I believe everything in God's Word argues for the fact that I am never trapped in my present situation, in my present habits, in my present tendencies. I am not trapped there. There is always opportunity for me to become more and more of what God has for me. That's the God I serve. That's who He is. That is what is available to me. I'm going to ask you to do something peculiar this morning. It's not too strange, but would you just close your eyes? I was reading this scripture, meditating on it this week, and it is so chock full of power. Just close your eyes for a moment and just listen to these words. Let them sink in. Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, Jesus has the power of God by which he has given us everything we need to live and to serve God. We have these things because we know him. Jesus called us by his glory and his goodness. Through these, he gave us very great and precious promises. With these gifts, you can share in God's nature, and the world will not ruin you with its evil desires." Isn't that powerful? Just let that sink in. 2 Peter 1, 3-4, if you want to jot that down. Through these he gave us the very great and precious promises that with these gifts you can share in God's nature and the world will not ruin you with its evil desires. Very great and precious promises. Friends, I believe the first gift that God wants you and me to receive, to embrace, to cherish, is His promises, His Word. And yet one of the problems that we have is that too many of us, we don't know His Word. That's where so much confusion, so much disappointment actually stems from. We don't know His Word like we should. We don't know the promises that He has that actually correlate to our need or our concern. Do you realize that wherever you are, whatever you go through, the Lord has a Word for you? The Lord has a promise for you. He can even tailor that Word that you read in Scripture because it's His Word. He can tailor that to jump off the page and to speak to you where you are. He has a promise that relates to where you are this morning. And so I want to encourage you to memorize the promises in the Word because the Lord says that in order to receive His many good and perfect gifts, 
you need, first of all, to receive the gift of His Word. I can't imagine how frustrating it must be for our Heavenly Father to see us sometimes living in those shadows, feeling hopeless, not knowing where to turn, what to do. And the Father says, if you only knew my Word, I have a promise for that. I have a truth that speaks to that in the midst of your lies. If you only knew my Word, we need to know His Word because once God's Word is the foundational gift, then it gets a whole lot easier for the Lord to begin to just drop things into your life, to drop hope into your heart, to drop direction, guidance, truth, encouragement, healing, spiritual gifts, provision, whatever it may be. When the Word of God is foundational to your life, all those things start to come. But the Word has to be the foundational gift. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, God richly gives you everything to enjoy. That's a real important promise for me. You know why? Because I'm probably not a whole lot different than you. There are times, seasons in our lives that we convince ourselves somehow that you know there's just certain areas of my life that God is not really that interested in fulfilling. It's not really a big deal to Him. Or once again, I've done something, so maybe, maybe I deserve it. It's kind of like we believe the old adage, you know, you made your bed, now you lie in it, right? In other words, we can actually find ourselves in a place where we feel like God is saying, look, I'm not going to help you in this particular thing. And why do we believe that? We believe that because we don't learn to receive His Word. What does His Word say? His Word says, hope in God who richly gives you everything to enjoy. You see, if you know that word, that one simple word, if that's in your heart, what happens in those times in the shadows, the Holy Spirit brings that thought to your mind. And you realize, I don't have to stay here. I can hope in God. And my hope in Him, my walk with Him, I find everything that He's given me to, his joy, to, to enjoy. You see, when His Word is foundational in my life, what does the Word of God do? The Word of God actually opens up my heart to who God is. I have a different view of Him. And the Scripture says that He sent His Word and healed them. When the Word of God is in my heart, He's actually be able to bring healing into my life. So I want to ask you this morning, if you think there's any area in your life that God is not interested in fulfilling, just think for a moment. I'm sure we have at least one area or something that we feel like this is just the way it's always going to be. Uh, not only do I feel hopeless in this, I just don't even feel God is interested in it. And again, keep in mind that you're thinking according to your natural mind. You're not speaking according to the Word of God. You're not speaking according to His promise to you. Have you ever felt that way? Another question is, do you believe He means it when He says in Psalm 84, no good thing does He withhold from those whose walk is blameless? Will you say that with me? No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Now, I know how you think. Can you think like I do? Yeah, but pastor, I don't feel blameless. Anybody? Yeah, I know what the Word says, but you see, it doesn't apply to me because I don't feel blameless. When the Scripture uses this phrase blameless, it's not saying you're perfect. It's describing to you how God the Father sees you. As you stand before Him, God sees you blameless. Why? Because you stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, we may find it difficult to wrap our minds around it, but just think of something as simple as this. When your child stands before you, no matter what they have done, and they may have done something really stupid, they may have done something evil, something criminal, who knows? 
But what do you see when your child stands before you? You see your child, right? You don't see what they've done. You may be disappointed or hurt in what has happened because you hurt for them. But you see your child. And what's your first thought? How do I restore my child? How do I save or heal my child? And Jesus says elsewhere, if you fundamentally being selfish individuals can think of that way toward your children, how much more do you think your father sees you? and wants to help you and restore you. He sees you as blameless. He sees what you've done. He's seen the decisions that have gotten you there. But that's not what he sees. He sees you. And he has given you promises, if you'll hold on to hope in him, that he's able to bring you out of that, heal and restore whatever it is the enemy was trying to do. You know, I, I didn't even have it in my notes. I think that was a great thought. Wasn't that a great thought? <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But what a wonderful truth of how the Father sees us. We need to understand that. That's what we believe. That's what we believe when we actually know the Word. My hope is in the Lord. And again, but Paul, you know, I just don't feel qualified. But he says, that is how I am blameless before the Lord. That is why I come confidently to the throne of God to find help in my time of need. And again, I know how we think. Yeah, but what if my need was actually the result of my own failure? You ever think that way? Friends, we're all the same. The enemy plays the same tricks with all of us because he wants to keep us trapped in those shadows. But the Lord doesn't say to come to him in time of need if it's something you did that you couldn't help. He says, come to me in time of need for help, even when the issue is likely your own fault. He says, still come to me, because reality is, where else are you going to go? Jesus says, here's the answer to your need. Here's the answer. Trust me to give you everything to enjoy. Trust me. Come to me. And that begins to fill your heart with a sense of hope. And so the first gift God wants to give us to receive is his word. He wants us to receive his word so that we know the promises that he has tailored for everything that we go through, whatever need we need to apply it to. And the second gift, of course, is simply an awareness of what he is really like, to know that he loves you. We sang it this morning, but do you really understand the goodness of God? Do you really understand this Thanksgiving that God, the essence of who he is, is a giver. He loves to give, to shower, to bless his children. And he's ready to tackle whatever area it may be that we feel is unfulfilled. I, my one single, simple prayer this morning on Thanksgiving Sunday is that we'd be awakened to the truth that whatever it is that you feel in area in your life that is somehow locked down, that somehow is predestined to be that way, that somehow God doesn't care about it, or somehow I've done something that I deserve, that you would understand that is a lie. God is a good God. God has good and perfect gifts tailored for you and me that come from above. From whom? From the Father of lights in whom there is no darkness and his light shines down where I am and reaches me. It's upon me. The only shadows that are created are not from him turning his back on me. It's from me turning my back and saying, Lord, I just, I'm too ashamed. I just can't believe you'd be that way toward me. 
He says, receive my word, receive my promise. And I want to ask you this morning, what promise from God do you need to receive? The Lord says, don't live in the shadow of that lie that there's any area of your life that I don't care about. God is giving. No good thing will he withhold. No good thing. No good thing. Think for a moment of a good thing that you can't believe for. And now identify for the lie that it is. Because no good thing will he withhold from his children. I'm going to ask you musicians to join me. You know, we need to, <clears throat> we can keep rather living in the dark if we want to. We can be kept in the dark. But the truth, James says, is that God's light is shining on you and there's no shadow that he can't dispel. If we will believe and receive the very great and precious gifts that he promises. I'm going to ask the worship team just to sing over us again this morning the song we sang earlier, The Goodness of God. And as they sing that song, would you just allow the truth of those words by the Holy Spirit just to wash over you? And in any area where there seems to be a shadow, where there's heaviness, where there's any sense of lack or disqualification or unfulfillment, would you just allow the Holy Spirit just to wash over you with his love? That's really what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It's an empowering of the Holy Spirit. How does that empowering come? By the revelation that you are loved by God, that you are confident in his love. All fear is driven out. And what happens when you understand that? You've just got to share that goodness with others. It's not just for us, right? When you're in a good season, a happy season, you've met that love of your life, what do you do? You start telling stories, showing pictures. I mean, you, you just can't keep it in. And it's so important that the people of God understand the goodness of God and how much of a giver God is. Why? Because when we experience that for ourselves, when we live in that truth, what do we do? We look for opportunities around us to find anybody who in any way is lacking, anyone who's living in the shadow, and say, hey, 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 let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about his love. Let me tell you about what he wants to do for you and give to you this morning. We're so convinced, right? Because we experience that ourselves. Can we bow our hearts this morning? Let's just close our eyes for a moment as the worship team just sings this song one more time. Allow these words to wash over you, to flow into you, and receive the goodness of the Lord this morning who is shining upon you. If you feel in any way unqualified, I encourage you, turn back to the Lord. Look to him face to face, eye to eye, and say, Lord, I may not be deserving, but I know you are good. If there's sin, confess it. And the Lord says, I'll wash it away. If there's lies, confess it. The Lord will break that stronghold, whatever it may be, because the Lord wants to free us so that having been freed, we might freely give. Amen. The Lord bless you as we listen to this song. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, contact info at gtmoncton.com. Follow us on social media at GT Moncton or check out our website, gtmoncton.com. Have a great week and God bless.